Thanks for joining us again on the newest episode of the Ford Financial Group Financial Insights Podcast. My name is Brian Ullman, and I'm a certified financial planner and financial advisor here at FFG. And today we're talking about something that's a little bit different. From time to time, we get questions about what's going on with markets and some and things like that, investment-related stuff. But just as important as it relates to your retirement is the income that you receive in retirement. For most people, that's going to be Social Security. Social Security is an enormous part of your retirement plan, and that in combination with your savings, perhaps some part-time work in retirement or a pension, uh, makes up the bulk of what you're going to live on when you're retired. So today we're going over what is new with Social Security in 2019. Um, we're halfway through the year, so we'll get a new list here probably towards the end of this year, but it's never too late to start thinking about Social Security and how it affects you. So let's talk about what's new for 2019. We're going to go over seven things here today. The first is the cost of living adjustment for 2019, which you probably have already seen if you're collecting Social Security. Uh, Number two, we're going to go over the 2019 earnings test. This relates to taxes. Uh, In fact, number three is we're going to go over Social Security taxes, which are payroll taxes and benefit taxes. Number four is going to be Medicare premiums for 2019. Number five is going to be Medicare dates to watch for 2019. And number six will be the status of Social Security, the Social Security Trust Fund and proposals for reform. A lot of the things that we hear about is that the worry that Social Security isn't going to be there for you. And so we're going to address that a little bit as well. And then finally, number seven, we're going to give a short update on Social Security claiming strategies. We'll save a little bit more of that for the next podcast, but uh, this is going to be a good overview. So let's begin with number one. We'll start with the cost of living adjustment. So um, in October of every year, the Social Security Administration announces, announces a bunch of numbers that are determined by the rate of inflation over the last prior, uh, 12 prior months. So over the last year, what has inflation been? And that will affect your cost of living adjustment. So um, I would say that of the updates that come late in the year, uh, the most eagerly awaited number is the cost of living adjustment um, because it's the amount by which everyone's Social Security checks are going to be raised. Uh, another number that's going to that will come is the new earnings test threshold, and then finally the maximum amount of earnings on which Social Security taxes are assessed. So for 2019, the the Social Security cost of living adjustment was 2.18. So this means if your current benefit is $800, you're going to get an extra $22.40 a month. The higher your benefit is, the higher your cost of living adjustment is or your COLA is. If your benefit's $3,300, which could happen if you're a maximum earner and you claimed your benefit age at age 70, so this is going to be the higher number uh, of most people, you'll be getting a cost of living adjustment of over $92 a month. So that sounds great, but here's the kicker. If you're enrolled in Medicare and you're having your Medicare premium taken out of your Social Security check, you may not see this much of an increase. Part of your cost of living adjustments are absorbed by Medicare premiums, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. This kind of begs the question of how is the cost of living uh, adjustment calculated? It's based on the consumer price index for all urban wage earners, so the CPI. Some of you maybe have heard of that before. And the CPI, the consumer price index, measures the change in a basket of goods and services that a typical worker might buy. So it covers food, transportation, housing, entertainment, healthcare, uh, just about everything people spend their money on. 
The COLA is announced each year in October and takes effect with Social Security, the Social Security checks that come out in January. So even if you haven't started Social Security yet, let's say when you're you're delaying it to age 70 to get a higher benefit, uh, that benefit is going to be raised by the cost of living adjustment. So when you do claim your benefit, you can be sure that it's going to reflect your cost of living adjustment. So um, don't collect your benefits early just because you want to get in on this cost of living adjustment. Okay, so now we're through number one, the cost of living adjustment. Uh, now let's talk about the earnings test. This is our next big number and number two on our list of seven. Um, so the earnings threshold is affected by the cost of living adjustment. So as you might know, if you're under the full retirement age and you work and receive Social Security benefits, part of your benefit might be withheld. Some of you may have already heard about this and don't understand that this is called the earnings test threshold. We just understand this as taxes on your benefits if you're still working. But let's talk about what this is. Uh, They withhold $1 for every $2 you earn over the threshold. And that threshold went up to $17,640 this year compared to $17,040 last year. So if you earn less than $17,640, none of your benefits will be withheld. We're talking about if you're working and drawing Social Security. But I'd just like to comment that trying to earn less money is not a, a winning formula for building wealth. So if you're under full retirement age and you have the opportunity and ability to work, it's probably better to earn as much as you can and delay applying for Social Security. Now, There's a new threshold for the year you turn full retirement age. Uh, So um, if if you're working and drawing Social Security before you turn full retirement age, that's the numbers. Those are the numbers we just went over. But if you are turning your full retirement age this year, uh, the new threshold is up to forty six thousand nine hundred and twenty dollars up from forty five thousand three hundred and sixty last year. So this higher threshold comes into play if you're receiving if you were receiving Social Security last year, and you'll be turning 66 in 2019. In the months leading up to your 66th birthday, $1 in benefits will be withheld for every $3 you earn over the $46,920 threshold. Once you turn 66, no benefits are going to be withheld no matter how much you earn. So uh, the key here what we're talking about in this earnings test threshold is really relates to whether or not you're taking benefits before full retirement age and you are working. That's, that's where this earnings test threshold and the one for every $2 and the one for every $3 comes into play. So as it relates to the earnings test, let's just get back to basics here for a moment and explain this monthly earnings test because it comes into play the first year you apply for social security benefits. So let's say you're under full retirement age that may be 66 or 67 for you, and you file for Social Security this year and you continue to work. If you earn more than $1,470 in any month, your benefit will be withheld. And then the next year, you'll be subject to the regular annual earnings test, the $17,640 adjusted for next year's COLA. So generally, our recommendation here is to wait until you stop working to apply for Social Security so you don't have to deal with this whole earnings test business. Uh, But there are always exceptions to this, and we can certainly discuss your individual circumstances if you give us a call here at Ford Financial Group, and we can roll through all of your Social Security analysis and options that you have. Okay, let's move on to number three. We're talking about payroll taxes in 2019. 
So for 2019, the maximum earnings subject to Social Security tax went up to $132,900 from $128,400 last year. So this means higher earners will pay Social Security taxes on more of their earnings. But remember that Social Security taxes represent a pretty good investment in the form of inflation-adjusted income that lasts for the rest of your life. So the more earnings you have and the more Social Security taxes you pay, the higher your benefit will be. And keep in mind also that as long as you're working and paying the Social Security, your benefit will continue to be adjusted. So if you improve your earnings record, your benefit may go up even if you've already started collecting. The high, those higher earning years cause your lower earning years to drop off because they take the top 35. So that's important to remember. Also here, um, the, the Social Security tax rate didn't change for payroll taxes. So as an employee, you're still paying 6.2% in payroll taxes on your earnings and your employer pays the same amount. So if you're self-employed, you'll pay both sides of that, of course. And we have lots of self-employed people here who are clients at Ford Financial Group. And in that, in that case, they're going to be paying a total of 12.4%. Um, also, just to note, the Medicare tax didn't change either. Uh, the employee's portion is still 1.45% on all our earnings. And then self-employed people pay both sides here again, 2.9%. So here's the math. If the, you earn the maximum of $132,900 in 2019, you're going to pay about $8,240 in Social Security taxes. If you're self-employed, you'll pay both the employees and the employer share of that Social Security tax, which is $16,480. And then Medicare tax is on top of that. So that takes care of payroll taxes or the taxes that are collected to fund Social Security and Medicare. But now let's talk about the taxes on your actual benefits. And that's different. Ever since 1984, Social Security benefits have been subject to the same level of taxation depending on your income. Income in this case means provisional income, which includes adjusted for gross, adjusted gross income, half of your Social Security benefits, plus any tax-exempt interest, like stuff from municipal bonds maybe. Um, so if your provisional income is under $32,000 for a married couple, no benefits are subject to tax. But if your income is between $32,000 and $44,000, up to 50% of a married couple's benefits are subject to tax. Not 50% tax, but just 50% is subject to tax. So, and then moving higher from there, if your provisional income is over $44,000 a year, up to 85% of your benefits are subject to tax. The tax is not 85%. Let me be really clear about that. I think there's some confusion sometimes. Um, and then if we're looking at single individuals, the thresholds are uh, 25000 and 34,000. And in the case of people married filing uh, separately and living with a spouse, 85% of your social security is taxable regardless of your income level. So keep in mind that these income thresholds were, are never ingested or haven't been, ever been ingested for inflation. So more and more people are having to pay income taxes with their social security benefits. And that may be by design. Um, but the important thing to remember here is that up to 85% of your social security benefits may be subject to tax, depending on how much other income you have coming in. Let's stick for a moment further on this tax question here and as it relates to Social Security. Um, you, you may have had your income and tax situation all figured out and then you turn 70 and a half. And the reason that matters is because that's when you have to start taking your required minimum distributions from your IRA. We've talked about RMDs in another podcast and we may address it again because it's usually a popular topic. Um, 
if you don't plan ahead, these RMDs can bump you into a higher tax bracket. So in addition to having to pay the income tax on your required minimum distribution, it might also bump you up and cause you to pay more taxes on your Social Security benefits. So keep that in mind as well. So it's a good idea to plan for these taxes ahead of time. For those of you who are still well in advance of 70 and a half, we might want to think about drawing down some of your IRA retirement plan assets so the RMDs don't force you into a higher tax bracket for Social Security. But the operative word here is might right? This doesn't apply for everybody. And frankly, beating the social security tax may not be worth it depending on some other tax uh, considerations. So work with us, work with your CPA so we can figure out a good way to do this. Um, sometimes converting to a Roth IRA is a good idea generate, that can generate some tax-free income later down the road. But again, we need to work with your accountant on figuring out what's the best plan of action for this. Okay, so let's move on to number four and talk about Medicare premiums. Now, uh, in 2019, the base Part B premium is now $135.50 per month. So some people pay less than that due to a whole harmless provision. Others will pay more than that due to income-related monthly adjustment amount, or IRMAA. You may or may not have heard of this. So if you're on Social Security and you have your Medicare Part B premium deducted from your Social Security benefit, there's a hold harmless provision that keeps your check from going down if the Social Security uh, COLA or cost of living adjustment doesn't cover the rise in your Part B premium. So just for an example here, in 2017, the premium jumped from 121.80 to 134. That's a 10% increase. It doesn't sound like much, but a 10% is actually a big jump. Uh, but the Social Security COLA was only a third of a percent. So the few dollars that people got for their COLA didn't cover the premium increase. And I'm probably preaching to the choir for some here. Um, so your premium was left at 121.80 plus whatever your COLA amount was. So some people's premium was even lower than that because they had been held harmless in prior years. So this year, the Social Security COLA was 2.8%, while the Part B premium went up by just $1.50. So this means that the COLA more than covered the increase from 134 to 135.50. So people that had been held harmless in previous years and were paying, say, $120, $130 saw a bigger jump in their premium. And this cut more into their COLA. So most people are caught up now and are paying the full premium of $135.50. Uh, a few people who got really low COLAs because their benefits are low may be still paying a little bit less than that. So I, I touched just a second ago on the IRMAA or the Income Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. It's an issue that affects more people um, than the Hold Harmless provision, I think, or at least those listening to this podcast. The IRMAA is an extra premium you pay if your modified adjusted gross income exceeds $85,000 if you're single or married filing separately or $170,000 if you're married filing jointly. Your premium each year is based on the tax return you filed two years prior. So if you're on Medicare, your 2019 premium is based on the income you reported in 2017. Now, if your income has changed due to a specific life-changing event, and we've had some clients deal with this, like retirement, for example, I can think of a couple specific examples that we've had to work with, um, you can appeal is the bottom line. So in other words, if you reported high income in 2017 and then you retired, you can appeal the higher premium. But keep in mind that a one-time capital gain is not grounds for appeal. So if, you, if your 2017 tax return shows high income because you sold some asset that year, you'll have to pay the higher premium in 2019. But if your income's got gone back down in 2018, your 2020 premium is going to be a little bit lower. I know this is a Social Security podcast or episode of our podcast, but sometimes um, 
Medicare and Social Security kind of intertwine. So that's why we're talking about this here. So let's move on to number five and talk about some Medicare dates to watch. Um, some new things went on in the first quarter of the year in January through March 31st. I'll just touch on them quickly, but the dates have already passed as of this podcast recording. So uh, just a new Medicare Advantage disenrollment period. You can switch from a Medicare Advantage plan to original Medicare. Um, and then Medicare general enrollment period went on. So if you miss the initial or special enrollment period, you can enroll in, in, in Medicare up to March 31st, and then coverage would have started July 1st. But it is August 12th as this, as this is being recorded, and so those dates have passed. Let's move on to um, the, the more important now dates upcoming. And the first one is that the annual enrollment period for people on Medicare is October 15th to December 7th. So that's coming up here not in, in the not-too-distant future, uh, just roughly two months from now. So in September, you're going to receive information from your current plan about their offerings for 2020. Now pay attention to this. Your premiums might be going up or your coverage might change, or there might be new plans in, in our area here. So if you currently have a Medicare Advantage plan, you want to see how it's going to change for 2020. If you have an original Medicare, or if you have original Medicare, you want to see how your drug plan is going to change for 2020. And then look at other plans offered in the area to see if you might get something better. So um, if you think you can find something better, it's important to contact the new plan by December 7th. If you do nothing, you're going to be re-enrolled in your current plan for 2020. And I know a lot of people default to that. So even though you'll have another chance to switch Medicare Advantage plans to the during the new disenrollment period I just mentioned, it's more efficient to make the choice right now. If you have questions about changing your enrollment or changing any of this stuff, contact our office. We have resources that can help you tackle your Medicare questions. So let's move on to number six and let's talk about the future of Social Security. This is always a hot topic. It kills me when I hear people say, I'm going to take Social Security early, like at age 62. And the reason is because they're worried about the health of Social Security. We get it all the time. I'm taking it now just in case it's not there later. It makes me sick. So let's talk about the Social Security Fund. The trust fund is still growing. Uh, it, Social Security is designed as a pay-as-you-go system. Um, so payroll taxes from current workers go into a trust fund, and then those funds are paid out to current retirees. Because baby boomers have been in their peak earning years, the trust fund has accumulated more than what it needed for current benefits. So right now, the trust fund holds $2.9 trillion, and it's invested in a special in some sort of special issue treasury security. So um, as baby boomers start retiring, these trust funds are going to be gradually uh, drawn down. And so I think rightfully people identify this as a source of, of trouble. So because over the next 75 years, costs from Social Security are going to begin to exceed income. Um, but there are enough reserves in the system now that Social Security will be able to pay 100% of promised benefits until 2034. That's the key. And then after that, if nothing is done to reform the system, income from the trust will be sufficient to cover just over uh, 77% of promised benefits. So what's it going to take to make it so we get 100% of benefits through 2034? Because the, uh, Social Security is not in imminent danger. I think and most people will agree that reform, the earlier reforms are instituted, the less painful they're going to be for everyone. And they've even closed a couple of loopholes in the past few years in Congress. So it's, it, this is really just a math problem that involves probably a, a few solutions, an increase in revenues, uh, maybe a slight cut in benefits or a combination of two. Um, 
One of the ideas that have been proposed is to increase the maximum earnings subject to Social Security tax. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. Currently, it's $132,900 in earnings that's subject to the 6.2% tax paid by you and the employer, your employer. Um, one way to shore up the system is to raise the earnings cap or eliminate it altogether. Now, this sometimes elicits strong sides and strong opinions from kind of everybody with a political opinion. But the fact remains, if if the income is increased, um, that that adds to the health of Social Security. Let's finish up by touching on number seven, which is the claiming strategies update. There are some new rules that apply to the claiming strategies. And even though it may not affect everybody, it's important to kind of keep in mind. It really doesn't affect you so much if you are already collecting Social Security. So let's start with file and, susp- file and suspend. Um, many people have heard about this. To some of you, it's a refresh. And it's the one where the high-earning spouse files for benefits and immediately suspends them. Um, and because he or she have opened their record, the lower-earning spouse can claim a spousal benefit. Well, the Budget Act passed in November 2015 disallowed certain claiming spousal claiming strategies, and file and suspend was one of those that was <laughs> that was uh, tossed to the wayside. So the last date of file and suspend was April 29th of 2016. Unless you placed your suspension before April 29th, 16, your spouse isn't going to be able to claim. A spousal benefit in this way. So for those of you, and there's probably fewer and fewer as the days pass on, um, who suspended before the deadline, it's mostly a question of making sure your spouse takes their spousal benefit at the optimal time if they haven't already. So other than that, it's basically a question of sitting back and waiting and your benefit will automatically resume at age 70. Another record uh, or another claiming strategy that uh, is affected is the claim now, claim more later strategy. I don't know who came up with these names. They're awful. But the claim now, claim more later strategy is maybe a bit more important of a change. So if you were born before January 2nd, um, 1954, January 2nd, 1954, you're grandfathered in for this kind of important strategy that can help you um, maximize your benefits. Keep in mind, it's generally not possible to take a benefit based on your spouse's record if you own if your own benefits higher. But if you were born before January second of nineteen fifty four, you can do just that, provided that you wait until your full retirement age and directly specify on your application that you want your spousal benefit only. So the the question here is, why would you do this? Well, if you restrict your application on your spousal benefit only, you can receive a spousal benefit while your own benefit builds delayed credits. So just let's take an example. John and Jane are both 66. John's primary insurance amount, insurance amount or his benefits at full retirement age is 2400 And Jane's primary insurance amount is $1,600. So here's what they can do to increase their Social Security benefits. Jane files for her benefits now and starts receiving $1,600 a month. John files on Jane's record and receives half of her benefit or $800 a month while his own benefit starts to build up delayed credits. And then when he turns age 70, his benefit will have increased to $3,168 thanks to four years of the 8% annual delayed credits. Because every year that you wait to take Social Security past your full retirement age, it grows. So he gets half of Jane's benefit for four years and then switches to his own maximum benefit. And then just as importantly, when John dies, his higher benefit will transfer over to Jane. 
This is the best case scenario for this couple and for other couples that we've helped with this. Um, there's no guarantee it's going to be neat and tidy for you. It depends on your age. Um, it's important if you're going to try and tackle something like this to come see us and talk about your social security um, drawing strategies. So let me close here by saying it's good if you take some of these adjustments and do a little bit of a social security checkup um, to make sure if you're already claiming you're doing things the right way, if you're thinking about claiming social security benefits, talking to a professional like us here at Ford Financial Group, if you or anyone you know would like a social security checkup, we can probably help you uh, identify benefits and claiming strategies and see how social security fits into the rest of your retirement plan. So to find us on the web, you can find us at www.fordfg.com. You can email us at info at fordfg.com. We have a toll-free number, 855-449-8669. And we are in the Fresno, Central Valley area of California. You can also call us locally, 559-449-8690. My name again is Brian Ullman. I appreciate you listening to us. And we'll be back, we'll be back next week for probably a little bit shorter episode uh, for our podcast. So thanks for listening. Now it's time for some disclosures. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.